Welcome to another episode of the Off Market Operator Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Johnson. Today, we have a slight pivot in the show. We talk a lot about single-family wholesaling flipping, and we do talk a lot about commercial on the show as well. But uh, today's episode goes into Gabe Bowling's journey from going from working with Grant Cardone in his office to then buying $18 plus million real estate with a lot more on the way and everything he does on the day-to-day basis. So as always, I don't spend a ton of time on the intro. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. People don't fail at real estate because they suck. They fail because there's too many ways to succeed. That's why I suggest you focus on the most important skill in all of real estate, which is finding deals. I'm Colbert Johnson, and in this podcast, I share the exact steps I've used to source 400 deals by age 24. This will allow you to do three things, control your deal flow, make unlimited income, and build your empire as an off-market operator. All right, uh, I am here with Mr. Gabe Bowling. He is a badass entrepreneur, um, multifamily real estate investor, and I'm sure has a bunch of stuff going on. I'm excited to get into in today's show. So welcome to the show, Gabe. Um, glad you found time and, and came on, man. I know we were kind of playing phone tag back and forth. And yeah, right now, why don't you kind of go into a high level summary of uh, what your day to day, what your businesses look like right now, and then we'll get yeah. into your time. Yeah, uh, at your work, well, things of that nature, the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, first off, uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. Always appreciate. Um, the invite, and I like staying staying up to date, staying close with you because you're very active. I'm very active. It is hard. It's actually a good thing that it took a couple of times uh, for us to try to connect and do this. It means that we're both busy. It means that we're both doing good things. So thank you for having me. Where I'm at today, again, my name is Gabe Bowling. I'm a 26 year old uh, called real estate entrepreneur, just entrepreneurs, uh, a business at heart. I guess you could say it. I've become obsessed with business freedom. Uh, building businesses, and then more specifically, real estate itself. Today, we have two main companies. The educational aspect of it, we help educate people and give the tools, resources, and access to people uh, for anybody and everybody across the entire country to enter multifamily real estate, whether or not it's buying their first fourplex or buying their first 10-unit deal or buying their first 50-unit deal or buying their first 100-unit deal. Now, there are several ways for it, but that's our main business. We help people across the entire country get into apartment buildings, seller financing, wholesaling it, whatever it might be, just within multifamily real estate. Um, we're very active throughout the market. So that's the educational company. It's called The Deal Room. We meet twice a week, every single week uh, of the year to talk deals. There's education, but mostly it's more uh, looking at deals across the entire country. Where are they at? What's purchase price? Who's the broker actually doing deals versus talking about you know whiteboard hypotheticals and how to do it? Uh, that's kind of what we branded ourselves as the doers versus just the showers. That's the main business. Right now, we have about 175 members across the entire country. Uh, and we launched that actually, at, I think the first time that we uh, interviewed, I'd say November of last year. So we've been building that for now the last year. Uh, we bought over a thousand units collectively as a as a community. And right now, the second, there's a 246 units today, right this second under contract uh, collectively as a community. That's the main business. That's day to day where a lot of our time is going. On the back end of it, the main driver, I guess you could say, the main company that will create the generational wealth that we're going for is Bowling Capital. So I'll kind of back into the whole working for Grant Cardone, Cardone Capital thing. But well, it's everybody like, okay, how how in the world did you get into this apartment thing? I worked for Grant Cardone for three years, broke off two, uh, almost two years ago, and then I did my first deal. My first ever apartment or my first ever real estate transaction 
was a 55-unit, $8.2 million deal over in Daytona Beach. 913 Catherine Ave, Daytona Beach, Florida. Look it up. That's the beautiful thing about uh, real estate. You can't fake it. Pull it up on CoStar, you'll see Bowling Capital. So we did that deal. That is the main driver. That's where my focus is over the next 30 to 50 years. That's kind of my time horizon. That's the one thing I'm co uh, committed to for the rest of my life, building an undestroyable business that will operate with or without me, live it, that will last for generations. That will happen through bowling capital and buying deals and raising money uh, from investors. Love it, man. So that, that's where Gabe's at now, you guys. But let's backtrack. Talk to me about your 26. Talk to me about 18 to 20. Three-year-old gay. Yeah. If you want to the the wide world of entrepreneurship, you're. Yeah. So the the segue is I grew up in middle class family. My father's a Green Beret in the Special Forces. He's been serving for I think he's in twenty six or twenty seven. He's still still active. Um, grew up in a very disciplined household, but it was go to school, get good grades, and just you know C's, get degrees, and that was kind of it. I would go to school and have fun. I didn't have to really work too hard. I wasn't super rich. I would call it clarified as the upper middle class. Um, that was my life up to 18. And then 18 hits. I played baseball, football my entire life. I didn't, I wasn't good enough to go to college and play D1. I maybe could have walked on a JUCO. Uh, it hurt my ego too much. And I decided that I wanted to go into the real world of business and figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my life. So my rule with my family was if you go to school, we'll take care of you. If you don't go to school, you're on your own. I was like, all right, well, school's not for me. I hated it. Didn't really believe in it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary for most people, unless you just want to be a super specialized person. Uh, I go to Google, I type in how to make, or what career can you get into with no college degree and make the most amount of money? It was real estate, insurance sales, or auto sales. I chose real estate, uh, got my real estate license, failed the test three times, and then I ended up going to Marcus Milchow. That was the first big thing from 18 to 19. Uh, let, me, let me pause you real quick. Yes. I did the same thing at eight, when I left college after when I turned, turned 19, drove home middle of the semester, got my, failed three times to get my yeah. residential brokerage license. Or were you getting licensed from the residential side or commercial side to start? Residential. It was just one, one test that you took in Florida. Uh, and you could only take, you could take it four times. And then you, if you didn't pass within the four times, you had to wait six months or something. Yeah. Uh, I just got the license. I was like, all right, well, that's the first step. I thought money was just going to magically fall into the account after you pass the test. It didn't. And then I got introduced to the world of sales and marketing, which is producing or producing, um, income for either a company or yourself. And the only company that would bring me on is Marcus Millichap. This is what, like, I called KW, I called everybody. I was like, Let's just go to Google. Let's uh, type in real estate brokerages local near me. I, at the time, I was living with my mom and dad. So I was like, well, when you inventory your assets, your liabilities, not like physical debt in your buildings, but like you internally, what are you good at? What do you suck at? Are you a waste of somebody's time or can you earn somebody else's money? Well, I could work for free. I didn't really have anything else. That was it. Like I didn't know anything. I'd never sold a deal before. What could I use that I had that would get somebody to hire me? Hey, my name's Gabe. I got my I got my license. Don't know anything about real estate, but I'll work for free and I'll do all the work that's required. That you just give me a job. All I do, all I want to do is learn and be around the right people. That's what happened. That was my only intention. I was like, if I make fifty grand or hundred grand, it doesn't matter. I'm still broke. It doesn't fix my big problem. Um, I just need to be in this environment and I need that momentum. And so that piece, that getting that job at Marcus Millchap and being able to leverage the experience. 
I had just enough experience that I used, I worked there for 10 months for free. I call it a year, but 10 months for free. And I saw a job posting at Grant's office, actually my wife. That was a really big piece of the story that I left out. I met my wife, now wife, then girlfriend. She sent me a story post that Grant was hiring 10 months after I was working for free. So it was like, cool, you're, you know, you're, you're doing better. You're getting around the right people. You're going yep. to an office every single day, but there's no money coming in the bank accounts. It's like, what's going to happen? We, we got we to gotta grow up. We got to do something. Um, she, she sends me that post. And then I'm like, all right, well, there's a salary. I'm going to be on the phones anyways. And I get to learn from a billionaire. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, I go down there. Of course, I know who Grant is. I actually went to GrowthCon 3. It's kind of a kind of a fan. It was luck. It was luck mixed with just enough experience at Marcus and Millichap. They needed to hire people. I was I just checked the box. I had experience. I knew what a cap rate was. I knew what NOI was. And I was on the phones. And so I fit the build. I got a job offer and I was there the next week with my wife. We moved down to Miami and we started. That was back in 2019. So from 18, 19, and 20. It was getting around the right people and actually trying to do stuff instead of just going through the motions. Like I knew I needed to make a change. So I committed to making the change. I got my license and then I went to Marcus Millichap. The hard work is actually showing up, being the first person there, 6.30 every single day. Beat like the super old people that wake up at six for just normal. I beat them. I just I just wanted to be in. Like I was that competitive, I had that competitive drive. I want to do the best. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all the way in. Even though I knew at 20 years old, I shouldn't be walking into downtown Tampa trying to sell million dollar deals to investors. Like I just, I wasn't fit for that. I forced myself in. I just, I found a way to to sit at the table, kind of serve the table before I ever got a seat. Yeah, dude, it's, uh, I have such a similar story to you where I, it was uh, my sophomore year, so my sophomore, my second year of college and uh, Tuesday Three weeks into the, the first semester, so this must have been like September. I packed my out of Volvo at the time, and I was living in Los Angeles, which is where my school was. And I drove back to Seattle, and I was like, I'd gotten my real estate license the summer before, so I took like three tests. And I'm like, I'm just gonna go try. Same thing, man. I, I got into it, and I did the open houses. I, I Seattle's everything's multi million all yeah. over houses, everything. So I did the open houses. I did showings. I'm like, man, I haven't. I'm not a millionaire yet. What's going on here? And I finally found a brokerage who just liked me for some reason and taught me kind of off game and it changed the trajectory of my life. And I even had a buddy who just got licensed, reach out to me like, Hey man, like I had my license two weeks. Why? But I got in a check and I'm like, well, it's, this is a process, dude. I think that's such a big thing. And a lot of people that listen to this or meet at conferences or meet in person. Yeah. They, well, they have, it's, it's, they social media does a terrible job and I apologize for cutting you off, but social media does a terrible job at mismanaging the expectations of what actually is required to build a successful business and make any money, like 50 grand a month or 10 grand, your first five grand a month, your first 10 grand a month. It's hard, let alone to make a hundred grand a month or a million dollars a month or $10 million a month. It's possible. But like it, the whole thing of, Hey, automate your business and do nothing in 30 days or yeah. less. It's a complete, like, I get so pissed off when I see that the, every single successful person I know as big as they are, they'll do $10 million a month. I have, I have one of the bigger people that I know, uh, they do $10 million a month. They are constant, even though they're not in the business, they're constantly on the business every single day. They have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And it leads to, it can lead to dark places. So yeah, I, I, that, that's a great kind of, kind of segue into the next thing I want to talk about, which is when, when you're at, when you're working for GC Grant Cardone, yep. you're sitting in office in Miami and you and your wife had just moved down oh, yeah. and world's changed. Obviously you're also going through those kind of formative years of 
life feels very intense. Uh, that's why I asked about agent at 23, because life feels very intense and yeah. every risk feels huge and you're worried about peers and you're worried about your friends in college. What what did those days look like sitting in Grant Cardo's office and what, what main skill do you think you built then led into you doing your own first deal, which is a big yeah. first deal. Like most people don't go, I'm working a job and now I'm going to go do a couple million dollar all that family deal. They go, oh, I'm working a job now. I'm going to go flip a house yeah. um, or wholesale a house. Now I'm going to go buy a duplex and live in one of the units. What do you think you built at Grant Cardone's office, be it you know undeniable just ambition or self-belief that allowed yeah. you to jump and tackle a deal that size right off the bat? Yeah. Well, I'll answer it in two or three different segments. So when I first started there, it was a big change from the way that I would operate, what I thought, and my expectations. That's why I hate mismanaging expectations. The expectations of what I thought it would take to create success or a skill set or make a lot of money. At the time, I thought you know, 200 grand was a mind-blowing amount that I would be extremely rich there. I, I have my wife and I, I, I do everything with my wife. My wife and I haven't made less than 200 grand since the age of 21. Like, we're just around it. Being going from having zero money coming in and going from like the middle class mindset to inside of the operation of hundreds of millions of dollars produced every year in top line revenue through the phones and communication between one person and the other person, just being in the environment changed everything because it made me see a lot of a, a possibility, I guess you could say. So being around it and seeing 50 grand come in in an hour or seeing a million dollars being made in a day. I'm like, holy crap. I didn't even know it was a possibility. And then, so that was the first thing being around it. And then what happened was like, my wife and I got on, on board together. We were very aligned. Okay. This is, this is where we're going to spend the rest of our life, not at Grant's office, but in this world of business and entrepreneurship and creating something uh, for your own. We made the decision. So at that point, I knew I wasn't going to be there forever. I was like, all right, well, how long? I knew internally I needed to be in the trenches for a couple of years so I could really grip in and see this thing go a couple of times for both communication. It's just sales, but I call it effective communication with high net worth individuals. That's what personally I picked up that I think changed the, the correlation of my grasp of net worth, um, being able to communicate with investors. That was just pure... 100 to 150 phone calls every single day, six days a week for three years in a row. That was pure repetition. And then the real estate side of it was 19 transactions. See, timing is when you join, if you're going to work for a company, timing and when, when you enter the company is very important. At the time, I started at Fund 3, which is back in 19, and it was relatively small. Grant had built all of his other businesses to be very large, but the Cardone Capital aspect was somewhat small. They raised, I think, 75 or maybe their first 100 million bucks online. I started at Fund 3 and I left at Fund 22. I started with a team of three other guys that were all 20, 22, 24, and 26, just like me, young, hungry, willing to put in the work, put in the phone calls. Started there. We would literally role play with Grant and Ryan in the morning every single day because it's his, it's his most important business. And we're the front lines, uh, we're the front lines, like we're the soldiers on the front line. All of the expectations of the investors that make the decision to invest a hundred grand, 500 grand or a million bucks is because of what information that you are giving them. It's really important that you get the right information to them. So I had the opportunity to join at an early enough period of time where we got close enough to grant and learned a ton about real estate 
at the beginning and we grew with the company. I left when there was a team of 34 people. We were raising $300 million a year of online retail money from individual people, 50 to so one. So you, so you were working the sales side, selling investors on the fund yes. while Grant and his team were teaching you the real estate side. Exactly. Kind of. It, it's not as simple. It, like they definitely don't give you the handbook on how to buy your own deals. But when you do, I did 19 transactions. The smallest one was $50 million and the largest one was $750 million. So when you're a part of it and enter, like very close to the deal and you get to see everything and all the, all the puzzle pieces shuffling, you learn quite a bit just by doing on such a large scale. And so for me to break off and do a 55 unit $8.2 million deal really wasn't that much for me. That comes back to the belief system. Belief system was created because of the things that I was actually doing there and what I saw happen. Love it, man. Yeah, I think I think that's, I, I look back on my journey, man, like the most formative things that you, that are ingrained in you happened during that initial period of like, like your initial period, you got your license and you said, man, I actually got, I got to be in the weeds, correct? Because getting, getting a license, turn, changing your Facebook profile, the real estate broker, commercial real estate broker, <laughs> Hanging your license somewhere, showing up to sales meetings, that doesn't move the needle. What moves the needle is actually, you know, doing work and being around people who are doing work. So those yeah. early who you're around in those formative years are so important. That formative yeah. work is right. Yeah. So so you're at Grant Cardone's office, man. You're 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 getting the, the sales experience, the phone experience, the investor relations yeah. experience, and you're slowly learning the real estate game and yeah. building that belief system. And being around big things, right? Because being around big things is so important. Oh. When you yeah. leave me when walk me through that first deal. Like I want to know how you found it, how you raised yeah. one. I, it was the scariest thing in my entire life. Just saying, at the time, at the time, I didn't realize because at the time I thought I knew, and it's so crazy being almost two years now gone. At the time, I thought I knew a lot about deals and like how deals worked, but I knew like surface level stuff. And uh, I just had a ridiculous amount of self belief in myself and my ability to produce, I'll touch on that. Money is very important. And I, most people like skip this sidestep of like, Hey, you were making 250 a year. And then you went to zero. What the hell happened? How'd you end up like making money? I would say leading up to it. So I quit on February 1st, 2022. I knew my wife and I signed, actually signed a lease for the home that we're in now in December of 2021. We knew that we were going to leave. We were like committed. We signed the lease. I had no idea what the plan was. I was like, all right, well, I know how to work the phones. I know how to sell stuff. I've sold millions of dollars of products. And I've raised 100, 100, over a hundred million bucks uh, from investors. I just don't know what I'm going to do. We ended up doing one-on-one consulting. So that was our plan, um, initially breaking off. I was like, all right, well, I know that I'm going to buy some deals. I just don't know when I'm going to find the perfect deal. And I don't know how I'm going to raise the money yet, but I know I'm going to buy some deals over the next year. I need to make some money somehow. We ended up doing the one-on-one consulting. I used my experience at Grant's office and just knowing a lot of the inside of deals and raising money online. I signed up 12 one-on-one consulting clients for 25 grand each for an entire year. One call a week, one-on-one with them to help build their company. They're all high net worth individuals, 10, 20, and $30 million guys. There's just relationships that I formed over the last three years uh, being inside of the ecosystem. I did that and then we bought our deal. And the segue to that was before I left, I knew how to how to find deals. So it was at this time, I knew we were off market at the time. And typically speaking for larger multifamily deals, 10 million, 30 million, 50 million, $100 million plus, most of them are driven by brokers. There's maybe 
seven brokers that control the entire multifamily market. They're yeah. dealing with very, very, very sophisticated owners that yeah. take it on market for a reason. I define it almost like is the smaller stuff go off market, larger stuff. I wish off market existed until you're extremely large, until you bought a lot of stuff with a lot of people, you're not getting off market stuff. I had all the deal flow set up from the brokers that control the markets that I wanted to be in. So I was looking at deals constantly prior to me even leaving Grant's office. I've submitted multiple LOIs when I was at Grant's office. So it wasn't like I just quit and now I'm going to start everything. I quit on Feb 1. I got the email for the 55 unit deal on Feb 4, four days after I left. It was ridiculous timing. Um, I got the email, new deal, 55 units in Daytona Beach. I have my process. I look at the deal. It's 50, It's in my buy box. How much money can I raise? Do I have the partners um, to support it? So within the people that I thought I could pitch a deal to, to partner on it with, I pitched it to two people. One of them said they're on board. He ended up partnering with me. Uh, with me. His name's Ken Gee. He signed on the debt. He raised some money. I raised some money. We closed on June 24th of 2022. And that was simple. It's I say it was simple because I, I thought I knew what I was doing and I had the right people in my corner where I could actually do it. Love it, man. Yeah, I think there's something you said there too, which is so true in my life and a lot of people that I talk to who make big leaps is when you make a big leap in a direction you're confident in and, and, and in relation to something you have the skills around, it tends to work out. But like you made a big leap from this this job in Miami to the next phase of your life. And there's no clear step by step of how it's going to shake out. But I think for the people listening to this, if you're thinking of so many people I talk to are right on the edge of quitting their W-2, or they're right on the edge of making real estate their full-time thing or a different yeah. business their full-time thing. And you're never going to feel 100% ready. That's just the reality of it. And it sounds like um, you weren't either. And you still made that leap and, and stuff tends to work yeah. out. And on a macro timeline, when you do make those kind of big, bold decisions, the universe, God, whatever you believe in, tends to, yeah. you know, conspire um, to your benefit when you make those kind of big leaps and, and have that belief system. So, man, um, the first deal happens. Yes. And let's get a little tactical, right? For you yes. listening, a lot of this audience. Please, I like to dig deep. I hate surface level fluffy stuff. I hate it. They've, uh, dig deep. They've, they've done a couple of deals, and they might have, this might be flips, wholesales, development yeah. deals, whatever it is that they're listening yeah. to. This. If someone was, let's say, 22 years old yep. and they said, hey, Gabe, I want to do my first multifamily deal yes. in the next 12 to 24 months, I want it to be $25 million or more, what's the blueprint you would give them? As I'm sure you do in your deal room all the time, but what's the blueprint yep. you would give? I actually tell people not to do the $5 million or the $10 million or the, the $30 million deal first. Contrary to what I did, and I'm, <laughs> I'm being, and I, I'm, I'd be blunt because- it's just I've I've gone down a lot of funnels and I see what happens in the education industry. The people that I compete against that charge forty grand and all that stuff and and syndicate deals. I've talked to a lot of people. I have a lot of data points on this and I'm comfortable enough sharing it now. Where I don't think syndicating your deals and raising a million dollars from twenty different people and partnering with you know somebody's been in the business for forty years has been the best decision for most people. I tell people to start with sixteen to thirty two units in their backyard. And whether it's a 10-unit deal, a 14-unit deal, 16, 24, 32, I'd say comfortable range. Now, it's limited to if you have access to people, but everybody in our community, $1 to $4 million is a perfect starting point, preferably seller-financed. If you can do a seller-financed deal where you can bring a couple hundred grand down to the table from one or two investors, and the deal itself 
is a unicorn. You can like you can beat my returns because I raise money, I compete against people, and I find deals and I hit targeted returns over a certain period of time, five years. If you can hit you know a certain return, fifteen or twenty percent returns to the investors in a two or three year period, you'll get investors for the deal. You start with one to three million dollars in your backyard. Let's say I'll give you a perfect example so we can dig actually deep. Let's say it's a 24 unit deal in Tampa, Florida. It's $3 million and it's a seller finance deal. I got it from a wholesaler. I got it from somebody making phone calls. You got the relationship. Guy's got no debt on it. It's 20 year ownership. That's the typical MO. 3 million bucks. He's willing to carry two and a half million and you need to come up with half a million dollars of equity. That $3 million deal, after you do X, Y, and Z, let's say uh, the interiors and exteriors need to be done. You, you go in, you renovate the building, you increase rents by 200 to 300 bucks. That's the very simple business plan of multifamily real estate. You go in, you make the improvements. The value of the building is 4 million bucks after you've done all the bill or after you've done all the work. You're in for 3 million. He's willing to carry two and a half and you have to raise 500 grand of equity. You increase the value to $4 million. You have two options. You either sell or you refinance, but let's just go down the sale. You sell it for 4 million. You pay off the remaining debt of two and a half million. He gets his payout. You send back the 500 grand to the investor that invested 500 grand or two investors. There's a million dollars left over. Of that million, let's do a 50-50 split. 50 of it to the investor. He put in 500, he got back his 500 and then 50% of the million is another 500. He doubled his money in two to three years. If you go to any event in the entire world and you say, I can double your money, here is the piece of real estate, here's the business plan, and you have confidence and you have people, you're going to find investors that can double or that will want to invest in that deal if you can double their money in two to three years. The other half a million dollars is distributed between either yourself, if you did it by yourself, or with one other partner, a JV partner. That's exactly how we educate people going down to the deal room. And that nitty gritty detail, that's how people should make at least a quarter of a million to a half a million dollars on their first deal starting with 16 to 32 units in their backyard. That's perfect. That's unicorn. That sounds really good. Management of expectations, hard as hell to find. Yeah. And, and talk to me about a shitty deal. So let's let's say someone does that and they buy a 16 to 32 unit. What are three to five things that if they mess up or will for sure- They lose the investor's money and they lose the chance of- re It's going to be an upward battle from there. Really hard, really, really, really hard to raise money after you lost because the reputation will kind of spring. Reputation is everything. For me, management of expectations, I say up to one year. Even even if it, for like how we educate people is like, if you go through 12 months and you don't buy a deal and you've developed the skill set, that was worth it. Every single bit of it, developing the skill set. Because if you buy a year, if you buy a deal in year two or a deal in year three, as long as the deal is good and you've done a good job at sourcing it and it's actually good, it's going to take care of you. Not just that deal, but doing good for that investor, doing good by him will allow, guess what, track record to be built, the second one, the third one, the fourth one, and the fifth one. So I look at it from the perspective of 30 years out, 50 years out, depending on how young you are. It doesn't matter. If you develop the skill set, like for instance, wholesaling, I think wholesaling is a fantastic start for most people because it's a skill set that will always exist for the rest of time. You're always going to have investors that want to buy deals. Yeah, we and we have a program specifically designed for finding off-market commercial deals that we teach. So there is a giant Lawrence need. I can tell you from the from the the horse's mouth. I've submitted on over two hundred and fifty million dollars of deals. It's 14, 14 offers this year. 
I'm trying to buy deals. We have the ability to invest at least seven to $10 million of equity right this second. We have a database of 1,500 accredited investors and I've raised quite a bit of money. I know what I'm doing when it comes to raising money. I need deals more than ever. There is a enormous gap for you. With where the debt market is right now on the commercial side, right? Yeah. I know somebody, but you know, I'll rest in peace, but I said a buddy last week that uh, I decided to end his own life over putting himself in a bad situation with commercial debt. Especially personally guaranteed commercial debt. Yes. Where, where are you? How are you teaching debt right now? Are you teaching to rely mostly on seller financing or teaching long term debt only? What are you, what are you teaching people right now on? Yes. Because obviously, you know, in the education space, so many people just push. You know, you're going to be an overnight millionaire. You're going to be a millionaire two years from. Yeah. Reality is right now in real estate, it's bloody and it's slow and it's really weird. A lot of these banks are trying to find any reason not to lend money. I yeah. know what buddies have dealt with it. So what are you teaching your group and what's your, what's your take right now on kind of the macro and economic stance of yeah. the debt get and, and what, what a multifamily developer should, you know, investor should be thinking about over the next 24 months? Yeah. So one really good question Two, I'll answer it again in segments, um, specifically for debt. I do fixed, I do fixed rates over five, seven or 10. I won't go less than five years because the projects that I'm doing are typically 100, 100 units, 120, 125, 150. It physically takes three to five years to actually do that project. Smaller stuff, if you're doing the seller finance, I always want time. The only reason people will lose in real estate, this is just generally speaking, the only way that you will ever lose money is if you run out of time or you run out of cash flow. That's it. If you're cash flow positive, you're fixed on your debt and you have cash after, you will not sell the building if it's a terrible time to sell like it is today. Anybody selling today right now has some type of issue. For debt, I go five, seven, 10 year fixed and I don't over leverage for, and it's all arbitrage to what you think over leveraging is. Max leverage on a traditional lender, Fannie, Freddie, small banks, local credit unions, they're only gonna give you 65% today. That's because of the available credit in the marketplace just in general. Credit is tightening up. So lenders are going from 80 down to 70, down to 60, down to 65. Life insurance companies are at 50%. And so everything is uncertain because of what's happened over the last 18 or 19 months now with the Fed. They're causing a lot of uncertainty. 12 months ago, uh, somebody's building was worth $10 million. You could have gotten a loan for $8 million. That same loan is not worth $8 million. That loan, the building is worth less than the loan amount. That's why lenders, because of the uncertainty, will pull back the amount of uh, debt that they'll lend. So I'm going fixed. I'm going max interest only if you can. If you're putting, if you're going traditional, if you're going traditional, not seller finance, traditional, you're going to be 65% LTV. If you're putting that much money into it, I'm going to negotiate for max interest only periods so I can boost my cash flow. And then uh, maturity manipulation, basically. I'll give you a perfect example. Our loan on Daytona Palms, it is a 10 year loan. It does not balloon for 10 years. We originated it in June. Of 2022, we did the first five years is fixed at 3.87% interest only. And then the last five years, it goes to float. So it's floating over a five-year treasury. My balloon doesn't happen for 10 years. I bought myself 10 years of time. I'm fixed for the first five. My prepayment penalty is a step down. It is a predefined step down um, penalty. So it's five, four, three, two, one. I can get out of it knowing that my prepayment penalty is going to be 2% of the $5 million loan. You have another option, which is called yield maintenance. 
I don't know if I'm going too deep, but yield no, maintenance no, like in it. a in a higher interest rate environment, it is a type of prepayment penalty that lenders will put in place to protect their investors. If you try to pay off the loan too early, it's going to be very expensive. If you try to pay it off late, it goes down. That's how it's structured. In a higher interest rate environment, if you borrow $10 million and it has a prepayment penalty of yield maintenance and interest rates go down, which I think long-term interest rates do go down, then the higher the prepayment penalty goes. And then vice versa, anybody who borrowed money at a low interest rate environment with yield maintenance as a prepay and interest rates skyrocketed, the cost to get out of the loan is virtually zero. In the environment where we're in, we're at a higher interest rate environment, I think rates will go down. I don't want yield maintenance. It might affect my exit. When I go and sell this deal, there could be a half a million dollar prepayment penalty that I either have to deal with or the seller has to assume my loan because of it. That's what I look at in debt. So if I can do a seven year, like today, I've submitted on a deal yesterday. Uh, we sized it up to support a seven year fixed loan, 65% LTV. The rates are at low sixes right now, full term interest only. Um, and a step down on the prepayment instead of yield maintenance. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. So, with your current situation, just for a tactical example, yes. The step, you know, the, so the second half of your current note, current note, it's, it's floating debt. So, yes. with if you get to that and the, the market's still what it is right now, is that a point where you'd go, "Hey, I might sell this asset right now because obviously floating debt." Not, not necessarily because we bought the deal with an NOI of about three hundred and seventy-five grand. That's the income that we bought. Um, it's called takeover NOI. Yeah. Yep. I bought NOI of 370. We've moved it to almost 550 in the first 16 months of owning it. We've turned our, we've moved our NOI by 48. I to, I just checked it. It was like 44, then 48. We're almost at 50% that we've moved it in the first 18 months of owning it. By end of year two, we'll move it to about 650, almost touching 700. That amount of growth in your NOI. Even if even if the floating rate hit us today, we'd still be able to pay out our cash distributions because we've moved our NOI so much. It's just about it's the business plan. We're value add investors. My goal is to hit a double on the equity every three to five years. So we bought it for eight point two. We invested three and a half. We'll sell it for about eleven and a half to twelve, and we'll hit our double. The investors handed me a hundred grand. I should send back two hundred grand between the cash flow and the appreciation. Love it, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire questions and we'll do it. Let's jump in. Your program talked a little about that before we wrap up. So the first one I always like to ask, man, is if you could only do three functions a day in your company for the next five years, what three functions make the most money? I'll give you an example. For me, I know if I create content, I, you know, build my team, build my people. And I am very, very clear with intent and direction of organization. We're going to make a lot of money. What are three things for you in the multifamily space that if you do every single day for the next five years and you can only do those three, you'll make the most amount of money? Yeah. Specifically buying deals or running the educational business? Which I would go on, on, the, on the deal side. Okay. Deals? Yeah. Deal flow. It's been, regardless, if it's me, act, it depends. How much money? Do we have money? Can we invest in staff? Can we bring- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, it, cool. it's, a, it's a- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Deal, deal flow? Being able to handle the deal flow, so that's actually getting real-time data, underwriting, and being able to handle it, um, and raising money. Those are the two things. Those are the, Well, two things that are 100%. Number one, deal flow. Number two, raising money, which would then tie into social media. So probably those three things combined 
creating content to produce leads and, or uh, not creating content to produce leads, creating, hold on, let me back up. I'm thinking about the educational side. Over to the deal side, deal flow coming in and being able to actually perform on that. So having a team in place to actually buy deals, which is raising the money and operating the deal, executing the business plan. Those are the only things that you need to actually run a successful real estate business. Deal flow coming in and the ability to perform on the deals. Love it. Cool. Uh, next one, man. If you, if you could spend 24 hours with any person currently alive, who would that person be? Business-wise. Obviously, yeah, um, the- business-wise? Um, I don't know. I don't know that I don't know the answer. I don't I to be honest with you, I don't have too many mentors. I have I look up to Grant. I look up to Ken, the person I partner with on the deal. And then the people that I like look up to are the people that nobody knows. They're the old white yeah, yeah. 65-year-old guy that's been in real estate for 35 years that pretty much give me like I'll do everything by them. Hey, I'm buying this deal. What do you think of it? Am I seeing anything that I am I am I not seeing anything that you see? And they have the you know me, what what did you do? But that's what I would say. As far as I would spend my uh, spend twenty four hours with. Last one, man. Anyone? I guess I guess you didn't have one for that one, so you might not have one for this one either. But yeah. my my favorite question is: anyone that's already deceased, you could spend one day with them, uh, business wise. Who would that be? Um, probably Vanderbilt like that answer i haven't i haven't gotten that one yet on the podcast yeah i'm more like the way that i approach our life like the what we're doing right now the last five years that we went through the real estate license grants office the last two years of building the deal room and actually doing the deals all of this is like the empathy stage for me like i look at my life as hopefully i go look hopefully i live another 50 to good maybe 60 maybe 70 years I, we only have one, like one chance. We only have one shot. Like I look at the actions that I'm taking today over the next 50 years. What am I actually working towards? And it comes back to the generational wealth, but not necessarily the wealth, but just being remembered. That's really what I'm working on. I think it will only last a hundred to 200 years though. That's really what I'm coming into. Everything's forgotten at some point. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Cool, man. Well, where can people that listen to the podcast and, man, I want to connect with Gabe, what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, just at multifamily on Instagram. If you wanted to really connect with me, send me a DM. Um, thedealroom.io is our main spot for anything dealroom related. Just go book a call with our team. We have completely free test trials. There's a couple of things up on the website right now, previously recorded sessions. Uh, we have no, like our business is we show and don't tell. So we open it up. We show exactly what we're doing. We've kind of become the we've kind of become the rebels of the education industry and what you typically come across in multifamily space of rah rah get rich really quick. It's it's not like that. Um, it's really hard, and we show you how hard it is, and then we'll hold your hand the the entire way. So that's kind of our our business model. I really like that, man. I really, really like that. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Gabe, and uh, I highly recommend you guys if you're doing deals and you want to expand into multifamily. Give Gabe a shout and at least follow along his journey and what he's doing. Everything he does from his education business to his actual deals is is very is bedded, is there, and you can see it all online. I think it's hidden. There's no uh, smoke and mirrors to what he has going on. So as always, a like, a share, a review, a testimonial, a message about the podcast means do listen to you guys on what you want to see or who you want on the show. It means a lot. So um, that's always very appreciated. As I always say, you are only one deal away. <laughs>